The Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 31, Keeping Your Project Data Safe. This is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity, process, and open source software during my work commute. I'm Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver. Hey folks, this week's show is possibly a little less sexy of a discussion than making cool and badass art, but it's no less important. It's all about making sure that the digital data that we produce doesn't disappear into a puff of smoke when something goes pear-shaped. And it, uh, it, it always does. My, my little adventure with my drive encryption last week is full proof of that and for that. Yeah, so this week we're talking about backups, passwords, and encryption. Important stuff. Oh, and on a on a personal note, I made a post yesterday, that's the 28th of February, 2017, for those of you who are listening in the future, my post on my blog about some fun adventures I've been having with making analog art. More specifically, I've been making rings out of wood, like like rings you wear on your finger, and I've been having a whole heap of fun doing that. There's a there's a fun backstory there, so if, if you're interested, I have a link to that post in the show notes. All right. Let's get on with the actual show. Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. not going to work either. Oh, well. Hey, guys. Uh, Another episode for you. This week, it's kind of news-based. The the first thing I want to to bring up is that the folks over at RetroPie could use some help. I, I shared this earlier on all the social medias that I'm that I'm on I shared this earlier this week but uh, as of late last week that would be February 24th the folks at RetroPie uh, put out a call for help now if you're not familiar with RetroPie RetroPie is um, basically it's this all-encompassing distribution Linux distribution basically that runs on a Raspberry Pi and it encapsulates and houses all sorts of different video game emulators. And apparently they're running into a trademark battle. They're, they're based in the UK, but it, apparently somebody in the US has trademarked the RetroPie name and is going around trying to do trademark takedown notices for everything that's associated with the actual RetroPie. And obviously RetroPie, the people developing that, they, 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 they can lay claim to the name and, and not be forced out of it, but they have to make the legal case for that, and so they need some help. So if you are an intellectual property lawyer or happen to know one, I would, I would encourage you to point yourself over in the direction of the folks over at RetroPie and see if we can't get them some assistance because they're, they're, they do good work and it's worth, worth bringing up um, because... Most people will, will use them, use that, that, that software, that distribution, and, and not even uh, not even give act, get an acknowledgement for the, the, the work they've done. So uh, if, if we can find a, an IP lawyer that, that can help them out, it would be a great thing. 
In other news, it seems also at the end of last week that uh, a little no-no happened over at Cloudflare. Cloudflare is a CDN, a content delivery network. Let me stop for a moment and explain what a CDN is and what it does for if in case you don't happen to know. A, a C, when you when you request a website, obviously the website lives on a server somewhere in some geographic location, right? And when you make the request, your your request bounces through a bunch of different computers until it gets to the computer that's hosting that website, the server that's hosting that website, and then spits back the HTML or, or whatever response that you're going to get from that site so that it shows up in your browser. That's basically how it works. Now, the problem is that if, there, if the number of bounces it takes to get to that content slows down how quickly that website gets delivered to you. So... What, what, what has sprung up are, are these CDNs, these content delivery networks. And what they are, there are companies that have servers located all over the world. And what they will do is they will cache and mirror the content of a website so that when you ask for the content of that site, they'll, ch they'll check first the, the, the servers that are geographically closest to you, that, that give you the fewest number of jumps to get to, and see if there's a, an up-to-date version of the site in the cache there and then give that to you so that you can get these websites get access to these websites way faster so that's what that's what a content delivery network is and that's and they're very useful and very valuable and i i use them on uh actually and cloudflare is a service uh that offers they offer cdns for free they have a free account and they have a a a a pay for account and so a lot of people will use Cloudflare as their CDN because it's easy to set up and it's free and there's a plugin for WordPress if you happen to be a WordPress user so it's it's a really nice convenient thing and I actually have it on a couple of my sites unfortunately I'll put a link I have to I haven't read all the way through the uh, the documentation on that but according to them and and everything else that we've seen they they had a little bit of a compromise. Apparently, they were able to fix it in, in about in you know with, within an hour or two. But by that time, a lot of stuff had gotten soaked out. What happened is that when when they cache your the the sites, they also all of like login information and whatnot will also go through these CDNs uh, to you know even if it's not stored even even if that's not necessarily stored, there's going to go through the CDN to get to the server to authenticate and. In some cases, it actually gets stored on the server, and I think that's an option you set up as the web admin. And that got compromised, so these a lot of these sites that have that caching that had some of these passwords cached, guess what? The, that's out and in the wild. So they have a link, and you can go there and see all the sites that are that are that are subject to this issue. And if you have a login on any of these sites, I highly recommend that you update your logins and that sort of dovetails us in the what I want to talk about today and that is it's it's not an exciting topic it's not a sexy topic but it's a it's it's an absolutely critical one and that is is data data integrity encryption passwords and those sorts of things data integrity and data security pr predominantly so there's there's two things one the Cloudflare thing was was one thing that made me think of it. The other thing is that I read into it. If, if you were saw me on on Facebook and Twitter before this last episode, uh, you noticed that I not this episode, the one previous, this one, episode thirty. You'll notice that I had some 
some encryption problems of my own that I, on my a laptop that I, I use full encryption on, um, I'd forgotten the passphrase to, to open the drive, to, to, to decrypt it so that I could actually work on it. And couldn't get to it. And so I, I'd initially thought that I'd, I'd corrupted the, somehow in, in, inexplicably corrupted the, the crypto headers for the, for the, for the drive. Now, let me explain what I use for full disk encryption is, is uh, a system called Crypt Setup with uh, a system called Lux, L-U-K-S. And when you use Lux for a full, full drive encryption, it actually sets up a, a virtual mount point that you, you mount after the, the drive is decrypted for, for working on. And everything else related to the, that, that drive is noise on the drive. And it's, and it's when you try to read from it, it, it there's this gibberish there. And the only thing that, that lets you know what's going on is that the drive headers, the, the, you know, the first few bits at the, at the front of the drive, I'm oversimplifying, I know, but the first few bits at the front of the drive says, hey, look, I'm an encrypted drive. You can't get into me. And if those get, if those get corrupted, then you can never access the drive. Uh, fortunately for me, I was an idiot, and my that those headers weren't corrupt, and I just had mistyped the password and, and forgotten it because it was it was locked in muscle memory, and I was thinking too hard about what the actual characters in the password were. Once I just sort of typed it without thinking about it, hey, everything worked out great. But that also got me thinking that you know I'm really I'm usually really good about backing up my data, keeping multiple copies of my data, making sure that I have secure and and redundant backups of, of of my work but when i use full disk encryption you can and should back up the headers for your for your, your crypto headers and i haven't been doing that so uh at some point i'm going to write an article that explains exactly how to do that and again highlights how i was an idiot and had to rely on muscle memory to properly type my password but we'll get into that but these things together got me thinking about how as as artists and as creatives we don't we don't think enough necessarily about data security and, and data integrity. And I mean, most of us have some form of backup, right? A lot of people just have like an external drive that you hook up once a week, once a month, once a, once whatever you remember it, and you just manually copy your stuff over to that drive. And while that's better than nothing, it's, uh, it's not the best solution for a number of reasons. For instance, you back it up to an external hard drive, but your external hard drive is sitting right next to your computer. Uh, your house burns down. Well, that backup was kind of worthless. Like if you had a drive failure, that'd be one thing, right? If, if your desktop or laptop computer's hard drive failed, then yeah, the backup's valuable because you have the backup right there and you can restore it. Yay! But in the event of, of, of something more catastrophic, like a house burning down or, um, you know, earthquake or some other natural disaster or something in the event of that happening that that backup isn't going to do you any good you lose the computer you lose the backup drive everything's gone so it's really really important to have an off-site backup of some site and that's why there's so many of these cloud services that will allow that some people will just you know they'll they'll just use their dropbox account for for that kind of backup and i mean it's it's better than nothing but for me i don't think that's the best solution another another really good solution would be so use some a service like uh it's a, like crack crash i can't speak today like crash plan 
a crash plan is something you can either host yourself or I think they believe I believe they they offer a service for for a fee of course for monthly charge which a lot of these cloud hosting services will do and basically you it, it will go on and do incremental backups of your of whatever you want it to back up and if you set it up uh, if you self host it so one, a lot of one thing a lot of people will do is is they'll use a, like a, a backup buddy like a buddy system and so you have a a USB hard drive and a very small low-powered machine say a Raspberry Pi and the Raspberry Pi is set to pull data for incremental backups from your workstation and you get the initial backup on that done and then you take that Raspberry Pi and the hard drive package them and mail them to a friend's house uh, ideally someone who doesn't even live in your same town for you know hurricanes that those sort of things you want to you put it in, in a completely different geography and you're 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 more likely to have a a, a good off-site backup situation and so you give this to to a buddy someplace else in the world who they hook it up into their network and then it just automatically you push your backups to that off-site over your network on a on a scheduled basis set it up with a cron job or some sort of script that just regularly does your backups for you you don't have to think about it you just have to make sure that they you know these backups are actually decent good good working backups and you can do that with a number of things you can do that with crash plan you can do that with our snapshot which i i've, I've used in the past um there, there are a number of solutions there the third solution say you don't happen to have any friends or you, can, you don't happen to have friends willing to let you borrow their bandwidth for your backups because you could also they can have a similar rig at your house and that you know that's that's why it's a backup buddy that's why you're, you're trading bandwidth to, to help each other out and that's a possibility but the other option if uh, you know let's assume you don't have any friends or at least you don't have any technologically adept friends then the other option is to use and you don't want to use a a cloud service that you don't you know control everything on you can actually do backups with something like amazon s3 they have a a what's called a glacier i think is there their their they're a long-term storage solution, which is for a very, very cheap price. Now, you're, you, you don't have freewheeling access to this, and you can't do, like, hourly backups to it. But you can do monthly backups and stuff and, and still still work relatively well. And um, so that's, a, that's another option. But the point is you should back up multiple times in multiple locations to multiple places like my even in my workstation my workstation i don't even set up a workstation a, a desktop computer anymore without a raid so and that raid is going to be raid one and if you don't know what a raid is raid is having two drives for redundant data raid is a um i just completely blanked out raid is uh, a redundant array of integrated disks uh, i forgot what the i stands for it's but it's redundancy and so raid one what it does is it takes you have two drives that are exactly the same size and each drive is a clone of the other so if one drive dies you still have in that computer another drive that has all the same data on it and then you then what i do is i take that and i back that up with a bunch in all the computers that i have in my my house i back those up to another look another drive that is also of course a raid and then that is scheduled to do an offsite backup that's that way you have that for me that means i have 
I have local access that's fast. I have so I have in-computer backups that, that not really backups, but I have redundant data on my computer in case a drive fails. I have a backup on-site so that I can get incremental backups and handle that pretty easily and have regular access to that if something goes pear-shaped. And then I have an off-site backup for catastrophic disasters. And that works pretty reasonably well. And again, yeah, it's it sounds a little paranoid, but when you lose data, the first, you only have to lose data once to start getting getting a, a an appreciation for that level of paranoia and so that's that's the that's the easy thing right that's that's the the the, the data integrity part of things making sure that that your work your project files always exist somewhere and i very rare i mean even even stuff that you think is crap work keep it bad writing bad models bad drawings keep them at least for a a, a a period of time say a year or two because you can always oftentimes especially when you're starting out especially when you're starting out you want to keep keep your work around because there's nothing there's nothing more gratifying to to your to your understanding of, of where you are with your with with how your skills are developing than looking back at where you where you were in the past uh, I still have most, if not all, of my old sketchbooks dating back for years and years now. Man, I can measure time in decades. That's amazing. Anyway, I have sketchbooks that 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 date back multiple numbers of years, uh, and sometimes I'll go back to them. And, and sometimes I'm I'm fishing for ideas because I had this an idea, but I never developed it. But oftentimes it's it's more along the lines of, all right, I don't feel like I'm I'm. I've been working at, at my craft on, on whatever this is, and I don't feel like I'm getting any better. Let's let's compare what I'm doing now to to what I did a year, two years, three years ago, and and give me let me get a a sense. Let me recenter. Let me give myself a, a new a new baseline to, to to see where I was where I was versus where I am. And oftentimes I'll find you know what I kind of sucked back then, and I'm a lot better now. Every now and again, I, I will come across the you know I haven't I haven't really made any progress whatsoever. I I'm still kind of shitty at that, or I'm still kind of average at that, or or one of those things. Very rarely do I say, "Wow, I was really good back then. Now all my stuff sucks." <laughs> that that doesn't tend to happen. Every now, I'm sure. I think maybe it's happened once at that one point in time. I I wasn't too horrible at, at drawing drawing likenesses but I've I, I got out of the habit of that pretty quickly and so I'm 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 not as adept at that as I as I as I once was because I haven't been practicing at that I haven't been training at that but there's a value for 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 keeping that stuff around and and really again at least for for the, for those reasons and so that's why you want to do backups and, and and there's you know there's again you can always you can always fish old ideas even bad old ideas can can be um remolded in in once you have have you know more developed skills and 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 more or just more comfort with a particular medium you can always come back to a bad idea and and redevelop it refactor it bring it bring it to your to 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 a level that 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 matches your vision for it so do your backups. Have backups. Don't don't you know? 
be a little bit precious about your data there. Now, the other part that, that is really a, a little bit less sexy, I guess, is encryption. And encryption's a funny thing because a lot of people, when you start talking about encrypting your data, if you, <laughs> depending on who you talk to, and when I say depending on who you talk to, most people that you talk to about data and encrypting your data, if you, if you start talking about encrypting everything you do, the, the, the first thought that a lot of people are going to think are, what kind of, what, what the hell kind of shady shit are you up to that you need to encrypt everything you do? And it's not that, at least not for me. I'm, I'm sure somebody's up to, to shady shit somewhere, but I, I have a, a, tendency to lean towards encryption, at least for, for my, like my, my laptop, something that can get stolen or lost or whatever, because I, I do keep some personal information on my computers, even if it's just, you know, my, my, my SSH, my private SSH keys, right? That, I mean, that's, that's access to my home computers without, without, even really typing in a password. So that's, that's kind of important to, to, to keep on lockdown. Uh, and then of course, it's not like for, for my personal work, it's not like I do anything that's, that's highly sensitive of nature in terms of like requires national security level encryption or whatever. Like that's the day job, but, <laughs> but the, the, well, I don't need that for my personal work, but the, the way I figure, and this is the same reason that I try to use encrypted traffic on my websites, is that if you are, it's not about, it's not about shady shit, right? It's not about being, being, doing, doing something nefarious. It's about doing something that, that does require a level of security. So I did this when I was, when I was doing more freelance work, when I was doing more, more work for myself and running my own, my own shop. Encryption was, was important then because if you're, if you're running encryption all the time, but then you run across a customer that that's the one customer that needs encryption, well then if you're only encrypting that, then that sort of paints a giant target on it saying, Hey, look, I'm encrypted. This is the exact, this is the thing you want to focus on. But if everything is uniformly encrypted, then you don't have that arrow, right? There's no diff. You can't tell the difference between something that is, that is sensitive data that, that should be encrypted versus something that is, is largely benign, right? That, so, so if you have a, if you have a customer, if you're working with a client that, that, that requires encryption, you know, that level of security with their work by using high levels of security in all of your work, you're, you're actually more, more clearly guaranteeing that security because you're not, you're not pointing to that traffic and saying, oh, well, that's, you know, that right there, that's the thing you want to focus on. And then there's, there's a benefit to that. And so that's why at least with my mobile devices and with as much network traffic as I can, as I can use, uh, I use encryption all over the place. The only place I don't currently use it that I, I, I think I ought to is an email, right? I, and when you email, you can do PGP encryption for, for email and it's with, with GPG, it's, it's not difficult to set up, but you have to go through the, uh, key signing parties and, and get 
the problem is that not everybody, I dare say most people don't use encryption in their emails. So if you're sending them encrypted emails, you actually have to educate everybody you send emails on, on how to decrypt your emails. And that, that's a bit of a hassle. And I, unfortunately I think that's, you know, a, a losing battle trying to fight that right now, which, which really sucks because, you know, for that same reason, if you, if you want to have a higher guarantee of, of security in, 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 in your correspondence, then it's best to encrypt everything. So no individual correspondence is calling attention to itself. So that, that's, that's my take on encryption. That's my take on, on why I do encryption. A lot of people are like, you know, like I don't, I don't have anything that I care if anybody sees, or I, I, I don't, I don't, a lot of people don't have a personal need for, for encryption or don't, excuse me, or don't feel that they have a personal need for encryption and therefore they don't do it. And I understand that, but I will, I'll make one last little plea here. The, by, even if you don't use encryption for your own data and for your own network traffic for that matter, even if you don't have an intrinsic need for it, you're not working with customers with, with highly sensitive data or, or a high need for, for data security or, or you're you're not doing shifty shit. (laughs) Even if you're not doing that, if you use encryption in as much traffic and data as, as you can, so all of your network traffic is encrypted, all of your, 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 your local data and stuff like that is, if all of that stuff is encrypted, that actually enhances security for everybody. Because again, if you are doing largely benign stuff that, that doesn't require high levels of security, but somebody else is, but you're both encrypting traffic, well, you've just made their level of security, you know, you, they don't know, you know, somebody, somebody sniffing network traffic isn't going to know the difference between something that, that, that is, you know, needs to be encrypted and something that doesn't need to be encrypted. And, um, it's a little bit security through obscurity, but it, it, I just think that if you're, if you, if you, it's better for everybody in general if you use encryption and by everybody you by as many people as possible using encryption it over it, it increases the value and security of it so that's part of the other reason why 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 I tend to do it even if I'm not doing anything that at, at in a particular moment does requires that level of security I'll still if the opportunity is there and present in, in you know, like email not you know, unlike email, not a, not a hassle for other people to try and do, then, then I will definitely in, encrypt as much, as much data and traffic as I can in, in my everyday dealings. So yeah, that's, that's my, my, my plea there. That's, that's, that's my recommendation. And most, most, for most things that you do, it's, it's actually not hard to make sure you have that set up. If you have a, if you have a website, you know, try to guarantee that it's using HTTPS. That's, that's, that's secure sockets. That's using an encrypted traffic. You can, I mean, companies like Let's not companies, but organizations like Let's Encrypt have made doing encrypted web traffic super easy. Like it's it's ridiculously easy to set that up now. And so there's no reason that any website shouldn't really work with HTTPS and have have encrypted traffic. That that should be something we should all be trying to 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 handle. And 
you know, if you can manage to do email with encrypted email, I, I would encourage you to try and do it. I personally haven't yet because it, it, every time I look at doing it, it feels like I have to educate everybody on it that I, that I send emails to. And then I get really disheartened by, by the fact that, well, I would have to do that. And so I give up, which is lazy of me, but you know, I have to pick my battles, I guess. But every time I tried to, I connect to my home machine remotely, I'm doing that through an SSH login. I'm doing that through, through secure shell, which is fully encrypted traffic. Every time that I have all of my mobile devices, be it a phone, a tablet, or, or a laptop, all of those have, have full drive encryption. And now I will say that if you're doing full disk encryption, it would probably be wise to have more than more than one way to get in. So have like, for instance, if you do if you're using looks L U K S to, to encrypt your drive, you don't have to have just one passphrase. You can have multiple passphrases. You can even have a key file that's on a USB thumb drive, which is a smart thing to do. And I, I would highly recommend doing that. Multi, you know, having, having for, multiple forms of authentication and two-phase authentication is, 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 is a smart way to go. And on that note as well, you also, this is sort of Internet 101, but I'm going to say it aloud. Don't use the same password everywhere. Just sort of put that out there. Don't use the same password everywhere. Ideally, you would use some sort of password manager. I, for a long time, I avoided password managers like the plague. Basically, a password manager is, is, is a vault, quote, a vault, where you store all of your passwords. And the way that I looked at it is like, well, if you store all of your passwords in one place, then all anybody has to do is crack that one thing and they have access to all your passwords. It took me a long time to gather the assurance to in the technology that I won't one screw myself over and lock myself out of any accounts, but also have trust in the, the encryption used on the actual password manager. And so a lot of people will use services like LastPass or there's another one. I can't even, I can't remember the top of my mind, but LastPass is the one that, that most people are familiar with. Not a bad service. They had a couple little hiccups here and there, but by and large, for 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 most things, I think they're okay. Me personally, I again, I'm 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 a little paranoid. I like to manage my own my own systems and stuff. So I use KeePass Two, which is a, a uh, it's actually a, a, a protocol for a password vault. And then I use for my my vault. I actually access that on my desktop with with KeePass X, which is has a it's cross-platform and it's really nice as far as the interface for that goes and on android i use uh keypass offline i think and for 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 managing on on you know, my android devices and what i do is i take my vault my password vault i have a my own personal cloud server i have own cloud which i still need to migrate to next cloud but i have my own cloud server and i put my vault there but my authentication for my password vault is not just a passphrase. It's a passphrase, which I, I keep very strong, but it's also a key file. So it needs the passphrase and the key file to unlock the vault. And that key file, I do not put on cloud storage. That I put on a on a thumb drive that I, I, I carry with me or, or I don't carry with me. Sometimes I'll put that in a backpack or sometimes I'll leave it at home and then then I'm screwed when I have to get access to something from, from a computer I don't own. 
But you know that's that's kind of a sacrifice you you end up making with 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 that setup. But it's it's again it's it's one it's worth it because that way with a password manager you you it's way easier to use a different password with every ding, every single website, and you can have really really long secure passwords like 30 characters long with all the special characters and everything involved with it and and use those as your as your logins now the only downside to that is that some some places they won't take a 30 character password which is stupid but you know that's that's their shoddy security that's not your fault and uh you all you have to do is you know complain to them for for having really shitty security which I've done, and, and I recommend everybody should do. Yeah. So if you, and then obviously you use those, you keep those passwords, and they're safe. They're in the vault. You keep it up to date. You keep it synced. And uh, when something happens like this Cloudflare incident, it's it's not too much trouble. It's a little bit of trouble, but it's not too much trouble to go through and update all the passwords for for the sites that are affected by it. So yeah, that's. I think this is gonna be a bit of a short episode, but. Uh, that's kind of what I wanted to cover here, and again, it's not not as exciting as as making super cool graphics or or how to podcast, but it, it is essential and it is critical to to have a bit of an understanding about encryption and about backups and about your data and your your the the security and integrity of of your projects of your data because you know as as an artist we are you know from 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 an outside perspective. Our work is all we have to 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 market ourselves, and if if we lose our originals, if we lose our project files, then yeah, we could always remake them. But sometimes it takes a lot of effort, and, and I'd rather not have to go through that again. So that's my spiel. I'm coming to the end of my commute. So uh, yeah, time to get to work. And there we go. How's the integrity and security of your project data? Everyone I meet seems to have a different setup and, and opinion when it comes to the topics of backups and passwords and encryption. So what, what's yours? I want to know. I mean, at the very least, by sharing, we can, we can all find interesting tips and in improving our own different ways of doing things. So definitely let us know. And oh, RAID is a redundant array of independent disks. Finally remembered that that was bugging me and I was thinking about it the whole time that I was recording that show and after that show until just about right now so but I get that settled Whew. as always if there's something I say that strikes a chord you can make a comment on it on the podcast section of my website that's monsterjavaguns.com slash podcast or you can track me down I'm Jason Van Gumster I'm on your favorite social media site just look for Monster Java Guns and you can tell me what you think there I also have an email newsletter. It's a plain text light traffic thing that goes up about once a month where you can get an early in on knowing anything that I'm up to. You can subscribe to that on the sidebar of my site. Alright. That's about it. See you next week. Time for you to get to work. Thank you.